several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. I'm going to start the show today by asking the burning question, what does baseball have to do with wine? Now, let's uh, actually take that one step further. Second part of the first question, which is, what does stained glass have to do with wine? Well, I've got a very, very interesting guest today. And in a lot of ways, he's a hero of mine. And I only just met him, and I am so excited to have him on the show as we talk about a subject that we have never really spent much time talking about on the show, which is wine labels. Now, I can't say that we haven't talked about it, because sometimes I'll get on the air and criticize wine labels, and we've talked about aesthetically how they influence our wine buying decisions. But this is a little horse of a different color, I think, because his portfolio contains what I personally think is the best wine label that was ever created, and I am so excited to have on Tom Rodriguez, artist and winemaker, too. Welcome, Tom. Oh, well, thank you. What a nice intro, David. I appreciate that. The one thing we have in common for sure is, first of all, <laughs> we can't stop talking. <laughs> the second thing is is that you and I are going to be out at Winesong. You're getting honored out there. Yeah, I was honored with uh, being selected as the Artist of the Year for Winesong 2018, which is uh, quite an honor for me. I and showing my glasswork in Mendocino since 1970, uh, years ago. Then about, well, in 2001, I purchased a ranch and winery um, in the Anderson Valley area, became a winemaker with the help of my consultant, Carrie Damsky. So we, uh, this is kind of my home now, and I'll be, this is my 18th harvest. And stained glass is how I started. Back in 1967, I apprenticed in Los Gatos, California, where I grew up. And when I was asked to be the artist of the year, I thought, what a perfect completion of a 50-year cycle of doing a glass piece. So I, I did a stained glass window of a wave, which is appropriate for the Mendocino Coast. And being a surfer, it just kind of fell into my uh, my life. So very excited about it and um, should be a fun event. It's always a fun event every year. I, I may have to buy that piece if it's if it's a wave because I uh, graduated from and taught at Pepperdine. And that is... Oh, the, you did? Yeah, that's the mascot. Did you know that? The wave. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Yeah, oh. probably the, the silliest mascot idea I've ever heard of. The wave. <laughs> yeah, know. what does the guy look like? He's called. He's, Does he walk around in a little wave costume or what? <laughs> Your mascot is he like wet or what? <laughs> well, that's a personal question. No, he's he's called Willie the Wave. <laughs> Well, they have like a big, uh, uh, what do you call it, a pompadour? <laughs> yes, <It's> exactly. Like <laughs> a cresting wave. <laughs> a big blue pompadour. <laughs> 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 L- 
looks like uh, looks looks like what's the name of the the lead singer from the Stray Cats? I I forget his name. Anyway, I stopped listening to music when I heard Pink Floyd in 1972. Dark Side of the Moon. I said, okay, there's my music. So so oh gosh, we're so off wine, but I do want to say that I have never owned more copies of any album than Dark Side of the Moon. I had a eight track of it, a cassette of it, CD of it, another CD of it, you know, and then uh, no, but no, but I had a I had a, a DVD of the Wall. Oh yeah, I've got the whole collection. Yeah, very cool. It's great. Well, let's uh, yeah. okay. Let's let's talk about baseball though, because you could have been a contender, from what I understand. Well, I had yeah, I've, I've been playing since I was six years old. Actually, I just retired from a men's senior hardball league uh, two years ago. But I've loved the game of baseball. It's a game that mirrors life and teaches it teaches you how to be a humble loser. I mean, you can suck seven out of ten days and still make the Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. It's a game that I really enjoy, and I've played it for years. And I had my studio in Marin um, County one day. I was well, working on these stone paintings that I do, these river rock paintings, and this older gentleman walked in my gallery and I said, how can I help you? And he said, are you talking about Rodriguez? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I met a guy in a laundromat in Phoenix and he told me to come see you. And I said, who's that? And he goes, well, I didn't catch his name. And I'm thinking, what's this about? And he reached his hand out and he said, hi, my name is Bob Wood. I'm Smokey Joe Wood's son. <laughs> and the hair on my arm stood up. And I was just got chills because Smokey Joe Wood was a very famous pitcher. He pitched in a famous duel with Christy Matthewson way back in 1918. And he said, I've got some of my dad's stuff. Would you like to take a look at it? So I said, sure. So he went up to his car. He brought two old leather suitcases in the studio. And we spent a couple hours going over photographs and memorabilia from his father. And so I bought some of the pictures. And I bought a 34 Yankee team ball with Babe Ruth and Luke Gehrig on it. Oh, my Babe gosh. Ruth, yeah, and a Babe Ruth uh, Little League bat. So I started painting. did some monotypes and some drawings. Of some of these older guys, Babe Ruth and Smokey Joe and Christy Matheson, and, and I had a dream, and I dreamt and I was a, been a season ticket holder for since 1983 with the Giants, San Francisco Giants, and I had this dream where I saw all these paintings on the field. So I started working towards that. And it took three years. It took a lot of political moves to, first of all, get the uh, San Francisco Giants to agree to have an exhibit on the field. And it also took negotiations with the city of San Francisco and all the permits necessary. And I said, uh, three years painting, 30 paintings. Irony is, it was a, I hired actors who looked like these guys, covered all the modern day signs in the ballpark. I had music from the 40s, you know, the Giants were independent, radio music and songs from that, that era. And people came in and, and walked in through center field and enjoyed the day. And Willie Mays was there, Vita Blue, Mike McCormick, uh, Joe DeMaster from the 62 Yankees, Mike Sadak, a number of ex-pros showed up. It was a great day. And it was, the idea was uh, to have the show travel because baseball was having some issues back then. And as it turns out, I was negotiating with Yankee Stadium, Ridley Field, and, and uh, Fenway, some of the older ballparks, to do this show. But then at the end of 93 season, baseball went on strike in 93. Before, oh, no. First time ever. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted to talk to me, except for Sports Illustrated did a, a feature on the show. ESPN was there. It was the same era as um, Ken Burns' uh, baseball series. So there was some baseball interest. And then the Hall of Fame. And so I, I have one of my paintings of Cool Papa Bell from the Negro Leagues hanging in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to say two things. First of all, people who are, are just tuning into the show are going, hey, what happened to Grape Encounters? They put a sports show on instead. Yeah, what's the line, man? Yeah, we're talking. <laughs> We've been talking uh, nine minutes about baseball. There are wine people out there that are crying that want to hear about wine, but there's no crying in baseball. 
But what's so interesting about all of this is, you know, you went from wanting to be a player and you were picked up for one of the farm clubs, right? Well, the Mets were looking at me and I got an invitation to to show up. But at that time, I was already running my own business in in stained glass and doing fairly well. The idea of moving across country and all that just didn't seem right for me. And I thought, well, I'll take a couple years off. Well, you can't do that if you want to go. And at that time, I couldn't hit the curveball. And you got to be able to do that. But I was a catcher and catchers are valuable in the big leagues. You know, I, I continued to play softball and then early 80s, the heart of the men's senior hardball league started up and so I moved into hardball and played up until two years ago. But I love the game. It's it's a great game and great camaraderie. And We're going to get into, though, uh, what to pair with baseball in just a little bit. We're talking to Tom Rodriguez, responsible for very iconic wine labels, not the least of which is the Farniente label is, in my mind, one of the most beautiful labels ever created. And we're going to talk about that next as we come back with Grape Encounters. Tom is uh, going to be up at Winesong, which is coming up the first weekend in September. Hey, Tom, don't you think that's the best wine event of all time? Well, I've never been to the Napa Valley Wine Auction. I hear that's pretty nice, too. But I think it's the best one I've ever been to. I know there are other critics that have said that, that it is the best in the country. It takes place at the Botanical Gardens, which is an incredible multi-acre property with dahlia gardens and begonias. And it's just incredible gardens that are beautifully maintained. And there's art, there's yeah, food. Yeah. There's music, there's wine, and wine comes from not only Mendocino County, but Sonoma and Napa and elsewhere. Yeah, and elsewhere, It's yeah. a fantastic event. Even it, it, it raises a lot of money for the, uh, the hospital, the Coastal Hospital District, which is uh, what I'm supporting. It's a great event. I recommend anybody and everybody to come to the Mendocino and, County. And that, um, and that would be from anywhere in the country. You can still get out here, and believe me, people come from all over the world to go to this event. This ain't your mother's wine event. This is definitely something very special. We're going to come back, talk to Tom uh, a lot more. There's a lot to talk about, including his wines. It's Tom Rodriguez coming to us from uh, the lovely county of Mendocino. And uh, we'll be up there in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, we're going to whet your appetite here on Grape Encounters Radio. The best way to avoid spitting wine is to avoid wines unworthy of being swallowed. David will be right back in a spit second. Oops, my bad. Make that split second. Before we continue with the show, I want you to do yourself a favor. Write down two words or hit Siri or Alexa to remember them for you. The words are peak, P-E-A-K-E, ranch. Over the past 10 years, my product endorsements are few and far between. That's because I'm not just a wine talk show host. I'm also a wine critic and a wine judge. The Wines of Peak Ranch would easily win a gold medal for me in a blind tasting. They're a small boutique label making wines from grapes grown on one of California's most legendary properties. The Pinots, Chardonnay, and Syrah will blow your mind. Log on to PeakRanch.com, read their story, and buy a bottle or two or three. Each varietal is a masterpiece. Get yours at PeakRanch.com.
Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. Gosh, I don't think I've had a funnier guest on in a long time. Now, funny's not the uh, right word. Amusing and charming, and well, you're okay. You're funny, Tom Rodriguez. This is a story for everybody because. Let's face it, folks, we make a lot of decisions based on labels. Tom, you and I were talking about the idea that, you know, back uh, some years ago, you did the Farniente label before you did that. Labels were pretty much the same, right? Yeah, they kind of had a sort of a French sort of look to them where you had a rendering of the winery, and then they'd have the name of the, like Robert Mondavi is a perfect example. You have the Robert Mondavi on top, the rendering of the winery, the vintage date, and the varietal. And, and that was in the alcohol and, you know, contained sulfur. That was pretty much it. So when I came up with the Farniente concept, you know, coming out and being a glass artist for so many years at that point, and actually 40 years ago this year is when I designed the first Chardonnay label for the 1979 vintage, which was Gil's first Chardonnay that he made. And here's a guy from Oklahoma who was a nurseryman, and he had this dream of uh, buying an old stone winery, which he bought from the Mondavis, as it turns out. And so he, he wanted to turn this winery into a world-class winery, and he's a guy from Oklahoma. And moved to the Napa Valley, and Davis taught himself how to make or learned how to make wine, and came out with a great Chardonnay. So he wanted a label that was going to get people to put it in their hand as they walked down the shelves. And as a class artist and working with people's private homes, I learned early on that you design for the woman, and the man pays the bills. So he writes you the check, but you got to please the wife with the design. So my work has tends to have a um, feminine appeal. Uh, I work in a kind of an Art Nouveau style, and if you can get someone to grab a bottle off the shelf and hold it in their hand, then you're halfway there. So I um, embossed this some embossing. I put gold foil on it, four color design of the grapes around the border, and a pen and ink drawing of the, of the winery in the middle. At that time, no one, no printing presses were able to do that in one run or two runs. It took seven passes through the press to complete that label. It was the most detailed label ever printed at that time. Well, there's, the there's so much going on with labels right now. And it's um, we could probably, and I mean this sincerely, we could probably do five or six shows on it just because it's so interesting. Just a little factoid you might not know. I actually met my wife five years ago, and she was a label judge. Oh, wow. uh, she judges at major competitions, and when she found out that I was having you on the show, she just went squirmy. Like I think I can't wait to meet her. Like I think I I think I think she would leave me for you. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. I think she's. I think she would. Uh, you know, it's funny. A, a friend of mine uh, is uh, Bonnie Harvey. Bonnie and her husband were the founders of Barefoot Wine. Bonnie was really. I guess she was really convicted that there should be something different on their label that indicated fun, but also suggested wine. And so she uh, put her foot on an ink pad. I guess pressed it on paper. That became the iconic Barefoot label. And Barefoot is either the number one or number two best-selling rather, wine in America. She said she got so much flack for that because at that time, they weren't doing stuff like that. Now, everybody's doing it. I mean, labels are off the charts. I get so irritated, angry almost, when a label does not reflect what's in the bottle. Does it bug you, Tom, when you see labels that are just like suggesting something about the wine that couldn't possibly be true? I've 
try to keep an open mind because I know people have said a lot of things about my work that they're more in of the Zen type label guys, and they you know they think my labels are too intricate. But I think there are some labels I find very confusing, and like I don't get it. I look at art like that too. I mean, I go into these modern art museums and I see a white canvas with you know it's pure white, and that's the piece. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait, wait, wait. I got I got to stop you. I cannot believe you just said this. Okay, there was a an episode of 60 Minutes, and they were talking about all of the, the, you know, this art that people just plain didn't understand. And one of the things they talked about was somebody who just put up a blank canvas on the wall and convinced art buyers that it was worth like, I don't know, $80,000 because it was the ultimate expression of minimalism. Right. And when I saw... Well, yeah, I don't get that. I mean, I've also heard the expression, art is anything you can get away with. And congratulations to that person who did that because look what they got away with. You know, competitions are important for people because... Uh, I find in my winery and taste room that people want to know it's won an award. They don't trust their own palates. And I tell people every day, I say, look, if you need an award to drink wine, you should be drinking beer. Because what you need to wow. do is trust your palate. If you like it and it's 20 bucks, congratulations. If you like it and it's 150, good for you. I hope you got a, you know, I hope you got the money for that. But, you know, it's fermented grape, grape juice. You know, we're, we're all doing the, the best we can with the best fruit that we can get our hands on. That is the main theme of our show. We say it every single show. If you buy it and you you like it and it's five bucks or ten bucks god bless you you know because if, you, if yeah. you don't love it then you know keep working on it but you're the luckiest person in the world if you're in love with a five dollar bottle of wine because you're going to have money to spend on a corvette that tom and i don't have exactly well and there's the other thing it's like this these competitions that i know that your wife's involved in like you said I, I when i first started i entered every every competition i could, could find just to get my name out there and get the product out there but you know i go into one competition i went double gold that's the class and then I'd come back to Mendocino County where I am and I'd enter in and I don't even get an boy. So it's very subjective, just like in art and in food. Who's the best artist? Who's the best chef? Who's the best winemaker? It's so, it depends on who the judges are. One year we won our 2007 vintage in 2010, won the International, San Francisco International Wine Competition Best Varietal of 300 Zinfandels from around the world. And I, I was convinced that 47 judges had the same breakfast because how is it that that, that happens? And then I entered into my own and I got a goal, but that's cool. So it's, you know, I think judging is important for some people, but I really believe it comes to your own personal palate and what works for you. Well, and wine is, wine is a food product. Pairing wines with food is an art. Nowadays, people are eating red, or they're drinking Pinot Noir with fish. That would have never happened 10, 20 years ago. And just like in the bottles and packaging, there's guys putting uh, Zinfandel in burgundy bottles where that never happened before. Yeah. You know, where it was like in, in uh, Turley, Turley up here in uh, Napa, he does he does his in a, in a burgundy bottle. You know the packaging is changing, and there's really the rules that have loosened up. There is the French sort of laid the rules down hundreds of years ago, and we've we've all taken from that. But nowadays the packaging has become more of a, a marketing element. I think the generations of using these heavy glass bottles just because it makes you think you've got a more expensive bottle with a heavier glass. I'm more about the carbon footprint. It takes a lot of energy to make that heavy glass, and it's going to be recycled anyway. Are your wines in plastic bottles, Tom? 
Hey, hey, listen I'm to a glass dude, man. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, oh man. And yeah. I don't use screw caps either. I'm a traditionalist. Oh, I'm Portuguese, man. and I use Portuguese cork. Man, after my own heart, I hate screw caps, but I live with it. Hey, Tom Rodriguez is our guest, and there's a lot of ground to cover yet. He'll be with me. Well, he won't be with me. It's not like we're dating or anything, but he's going to be at the Wine Song event that is coming up the first weekend in September. He's being honored up there. It's an honor that is long overdue, I think. Dan Duckhorn's being honored up there, too. We're going to talk about that as well, because we're going to have Dan on the show here uh, coming up. But uh, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters and our very lovable guest, Tom Rodriguez. Stay with me. People sometimes say it's the wine talking. Well, everyone knows that wine can't talk. That's why a bunch of grapes got together and hired David Wilson to do the talking for them. (laughs) David will uncork today's story after this. Winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. And your Grape Encounter continues, and I can't imagine that you're not having a good time with our guest, Tom Rodriguez. He uh, is an artist extraordinaire, winemaker extraordinaire. We've got to get into a topic that I've been dying to dive into with him, but I wanted to say something. I was trying to squeeze it in, Tom, but you were on a roll and I couldn't get there. We were talking about the guys that had the canvas that was blank white. It was because of that. That 60-minute show that I saw this that I ended up taking over an art gallery. I was an art collector myself, and I was so mad that people were getting away with that nonsense that I started my own art gallery. Before we went on the air, I was over in the wine bar, and there was a guy over there, and I was telling him the interview that I was going to do, and he said, hey, ask Tom if he's ever consumed three bottles of wine in order to inspire the creation of a label. Ah, well, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. In fact, part of my deal with Jill Nickel at Farniente was was that I had given him such a screaming deal on the, because I had never designed a label before. I didn't know what to charge. And I'd only done glass work and and ceramic tile, hand-painted tiles for him in his home in San Francisco. Had no idea what to charge. And so I I gave him this screaming deal. And he said, well, this is such a great deal, Tom. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you 10 cases a year for life because the way you're living, I'm going to outlive you for sure. So this is a great deal for me. (laughs) Unfortunately, Gil passed away in 2003. I'm sorry, I, um, I, I retract that last. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Gil, I mean, he's probably listening to this and, and having a good time doing so. But Beth and I are still extremely good friends, and we talk about this story a lot. And it's been a great deal for me because it's 40 years of wine that I get from Farniente. And I also have done the, the Dolce the dessert model label, the Nickel and Nickel label, the Farniente Cabernet label. They also do a Pinot Noir out of Grayton, Sonoma County. That's called En Route. And yeah, their latest yeah. venture is in Oakville, and it's called Bella Union. Which uh, is the latest uh, label I've done for the Farniente family and wines. You do labels outside of the uh, Farniente family as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've done um, Aida, Animal Family Wines, Manzanita Creek. 
Camelita, um, Delaney Vineyards in Texas. I did a whole series of labels for them. I know Texas wine, yeah. But the Texas wine actually is improving. Um, hey, listen, I was, it's tough to grow grapes, grapes there because it's so darn hot. I did a, um, a live show from our affiliate in San Antonio, and then the next day I got to go uh, up into the hill country. I tasted some pretty good wines up there. The only thing, and I and maybe it, maybe it was just the places that I went to, though, a lot of them were dumping a lot of acid into the wine. I guess trying to make it more food worthy, but how much acid do you need for barbecued ribs? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so, well, and also, there's a lot of um, California grapes that head east. Yeah, and, yeah in, true. in these wineries, they, they do buy California grapes. I, I mean, mean we, I sit on the wine board here in Mendocino County, and we sell a huge percentage of our fruit that's grown here to Napa, Sonoma, and elsewhere. That's a big so. issue still in um, in Texas, though, and they've uh, enacted some laws there because uh, they were calling them Texas wines, but they were from California. Right. And the Texas yeah. people and the Texas people were finding out about this, and they were getting pretty irate. I think the TTB requires if it's if it's cellared. I mean, if the grapes come somewhere else, they call you can you can put cellared and bottled by. But if you actually make it or grow it right there, then it's produced and bottled by. Right. So there's some wording. If you look at some of these labels uh, where it says cellared and bottled by, that means they're getting the grapes outside of that state. All right, let's move on. Everywhere. I can think of across America, Tom, there are obviously food and wine events, but invariably there are just as many food and art events. We say, well, people who drink wine are cultured, so let's have art there. Why so many art and wine events? You know, why not wine and turtle races? Well, because of what you just said, I think the wine-consuming... By the way, my brand is Artevino, A-R-T-E-V-I-N-O, which is art and wine. But I, I believe that wine is an art form, and I believe that people that consume wine tend to be art lovers as well and can appreciate art. What's better than having a glass of wine walking through a gallery, for example? I mean, I've done a number of shows of my own work and other people's where I'll be pouring wine in the show, and it's a pleasant experience. I mean, you're getting visually stimulated and you're also stimulating your palate at the same time. I think it's got to be something to do with the pleasure center in the brain. And I know that there's been some interesting studies, really interesting studies, about the relationship between wine and music how we can improve our perception of wine radically by playing certain music and certain keys depending upon the kind of wine. And that's an undeniable fact, considering the studies that I've looked at, at least I'm buying into that. I just wonder if the same relationship is there that if you walked in and somebody poured you one of Tom Rodriguez's Zinfandels, what kind of art should be on the wall? Oh, interesting. That's a good question. You've never been asked that question. A little bit of alcohol in your system loosens your pocketbook. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's why they do it. Who knows? <laughs> well, you know, but but, but I mean, t- take this into consideration that, and this is one of the studies, and I've talked about this before on the, on the show, if you're drinking a big red, like a Cabernet, let's say, and you play music in a minor key, doors, you know, you know, actually, you're a Pink okay. Floyd guy, right? You know, so yeah, you know, get, Pink, yep. get Pink Floyd. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of minor key there. Your perception of that wine's going to go up by sixty percent in a positive way. Yep. So I'm, I'm yep. I, I got to think that, and you could, you and I, Tom, we could be the pioneers of this movement <laughs> that we pair wine, we figure out what images change people's uh, perception. Like I'm thinking, if if minor keys are complementary to big, bold red wines, then you know maybe the art has to be 
big and bold and red? Bright <laughs> no. colors and yeah. Okay, I'm well, kind of liking. I'm smelling what you're stepping on right now. I mean, yeah, I like I, can... I like this concept. We we need to talk further about this I, I, offline. Hey, you know what, listeners? If you want to volunteer to be uh, test subjects on this, you could just write me at uh, go to grapeencounters.com. Send me a message and say, hey, I, I like. I, I'm digging what you and Tom are talking about. Uh, let me be involved. I want to look at some pictures and drink some wine with you. Anyway, let's start a movement. Let's start a movement right now. <laughs> a movement right now. Okay, well, I, movement right I'm actually recording. I'm actually doing a show, so I can't have a movement right now. But um, <laughs> you're killing me, small. <laughs> so let's talk about. We got a minute to talk about your label, and then we got the other stuff to cover here. But your label, you started again. How long ago? In 2001, I bought this ranch and winery. It was a, a winery. They were older folks, so they're. Kind of, they were goat farmers. Their goat trees was outstanding, but their their wine. You'd walk in the tasting room, and there they had little baby goats and little. Uh, kids swimming pools in the tasting room and you go to smell the wine you're going oh interesting what's this fecal aroma I'm getting here but their cheese was fantastic their wine was a little tight and when I purchased the place I had I had some barrels of wine they only made a small amount but they had a 10 acre vineyard so I, I hired Carrie Damsky to teach me the, the chemistry because I was an artist I didn't show up to my chemistry class you know I was like what do I need chemistry for but I didn't know at 47 I was going to be buying a, a winery so I learned how to make that wine better to start with and then 2001 was our first harvest, an incredible ride ever since. It's, uh, this will be my 18th harvest this year, and we grow uh, Chardonnay Merlot, uh, two hybrid grapes called Symphony and Flora. Uh, Flora is a hybrid of Gewurz and Simeon, and Symphony is a hybrid of Grenache Gris and Muscat two aromatic whites, and so have a Pinot Noir, two clones of 667, and the 1A clone, which is a Davis clone. And then I buy Cabernet and Zinfandel from my neighbors, and it's a blast. And I, I love farming. My family are from the Azores, uh, third generation California, but they were fruit farmers and made homemade wine. So as a child, I got to drink wine on Sunday dinners. It was part of the meal. So I learned to respect wine as a young man and uh, started collecting wine after high school and mostly French, uh, white burgundies and red Bordeaux. After meeting Gil, we uh, rode motorcycles with Gil and his buddies. We were in there, Trefethan and Randy Lewis and a bunch of wine guys. We'd go on these cross-country trips and everybody would ship their wine in advance. So uh, it was really fun hanging with these guys and learning more about wine and and then I thought, you know what, I could do this. we got to take a little break. Everybody, by the way, wants to be you by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great life. All right, we're going to be back with Tom Rodriguez. And uh, God, what a guy. What an interesting life. And just, uh, man, he's loving life. He's got to be. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters in just a second. Stay with me. any animals harmed during the making of today's show. However, countless grapes were crushed and mutilated. 
Your grape encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. that you can visit us in person right in the heart of the Central Coast wine country of California. We can get you a special rate at one of our loveliest hotels, introduce you to some epic wines in person, help you chart out amazing self-guided winery tours, and tell you stories that we're not allowed to share on the radio. Okay, that last one was a, a stretch. Here's David. I think it may be true that I am talking to the ultimate renaissance man in the wine business. This is crazy. He's a stained glass artist. He's a, a painter as well. He's a baseball guy. You were actually doing stained glass at the Skywalker Ranch for, at the Lucasfilm Complex. Correct. I was uh, hired there in 1980 when they started the uh, Skywalker Ranch project, which was a film, you know, it was actually a collection the Victorian buildings and also Shaker style and, you know, different style buildings. And I was hired as a designer and production manager to design and make windows fit the architecture of each building. And I was there for three and a half years. It was an amazing time because in that 1980, construction had basically stopped in Marin County where I was living. And George and Marcia put together an incredible crew of craftsmen that were basically out of work. Wood craftsmen, metal craftsmen, glass artists, uh, architects, builders, and they built an incredible ranch and the sound uh, the, the sound building that looks like uh, you know where the Stones came and recorded their movie uh, their music it looks like a, and they actually planted a vineyard in front of it it looks like it's an old stone winery but it's actually a sound studio I gotta ask you a question because um, I, I heard a rumor uh, Marshall Lucas you eventually married I did actually um, <laughs> George and Marcia decided to get divorced and then uh Marsha and I started dating and actually got married, and we were together 10 years, and we have a beautiful daughter and a, a wonderful grandson, and, wow. and yeah. Hey, I want to go back to baseball for a second, because I got this great idea I want to share it with you. You've got all these beautiful, incredible baseball images, and I mean, if you love baseball or you love sports, man, these images are just, they're moving. The expressions that Tom has captured, these iconic figures from baseball are not to be believed. They're just so incredible. When are you going to put those images on wine bottles, Tom? You know, um, I've been asked that, actually, a couple of times by uh, some ex-pros, and, you know, it's funny, I, uh, it was a tough time, I was actually getting divorced at that time, when that happened, so it was a really tough time for me, they saw went on strike, and I spent three years of my life on a ton of money, and I moved on, I just said, okay, I gotta, I'm just going to park this idea for a while, but it's since baseball's come back, quite a bit. People would say, hey, why don't you do Buster and Posey, and why don't you do this guy, why don't you do that guy, and it's a good idea, but that's another thing about wine labels. It has to be appropriate to the wine that's inside of it, right? And what's a baseball wine? Uh, well, you know, baseball, well, I've already got it. You, you use baseball... When people think of baseball, they think of beer. No, right? but you, you use baseball terms. See, this is where we got to break through, Tom. In stadiums, they're selling more and more wine, and uh, so, yep. so the wines could be called things like uh, low and inside, you know? Oh, now you're talking. Yeah, uh, if you if you have one that uh, that really doesn't turn out too well, you call it spitball. And uh, <laughs> well, if it doesn't turn out too well, Dave. It doesn't get in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, maybe I mean, we could put it in plastic bottles or cans. 
How about cans? Yeah. Wine in a can. That, Why not? Oakland's doing it. That, He's got Sophia in a can. Great. Oh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Let me throw this back to you, David. Why don't you and I, being that I'm a winemaker and I make wine, I actually have a couple of custom crush clients as well. Why don't you and I come up with a concept and I'll make wine for your wine bar? And then we'll come up with these baseball terms or baseball labels. I would so, love that. I hope you're serious because I'm going to bug you I am about serious. Uh, that's, a, that's a great idea. That would be yeah, a great and then, idea. Of course, you're going to carry the Artavino wine in your wine shop now, right? I feel my. <laughs> I feel. Oh, something magical is twisting my arm. Of course, I've had yeah. your wine and uh, delicious. And I'm sure I haven't had all your wines. But if you're an artist, you're anal as all can be. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. And, and I, I can tell from your art, your art is not sloppy. If that's how you paint, then that's how you make wine. That's just, yeah. just how it goes. Well, I do. I'm, and I'm very, you know, people go, Tom, you know, you're really excelling in all these things. What do you suck at? Well, I was, I'm dyslexic. I signed my paint and my drawings and stuff, uh, MOT, until the third grade. So... I, I suck at paperwork. I'm really bad at paperwork. And if it wasn't for Spelltrack, I don't know what I would do as far as sending emails out and letters. All right. Well, uh, Tom Rodriguez, the 2018 Artist of the Year, will be appearing at Wine Song. The big event, the wine and food tasting and the charity auction, takes place on Saturday, September 8th. It's a great day. It's a crazy, wonderful event. So go to winesong.org, not com, dot org. And you can get information on everything that's going on there, and uh, you, you can buy the tickets online. It will sell out, so please don't let this be yet another year that you don't go to Wine Song. And uh, Tom, we got to have to go, so uh, give me some information on how people can know more about your wines and about your art and about okay. uh, and your private life. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my website is it's, it's Maple Creek Winery, but it's um, www or Maple Creek Wine dot com, just singular wine dot com. And that's our website, and we make a number of varieties uh, from the Anderson Valley and around Mendocino County. I, I focus on Mendocino County wines and grapes. And uh, my art site is TomRodriguezStudio.com, and that's spelled T-O-M-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-S-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. And that has the number of mediums that I've worked with in the last 50 years. And I hate to think of that. I've been an artist for 50 years and a winemaker for 18, and I feel like I'm 35. So you do the math. I don't know how that happens. I don't know. You only look 32, so (laughs) everybody. Uh, You've been awesome, man. I really enjoyed this very much, and I really look forward to hanging out with you in real time and and sharing some wine and talking story. And this baseball concept, let's work on that. Okay, we're going to do that. And and look, I know you're going to be, like, super busy at Wine Song because you you are uh, one of the big stars there, so I probably won't get much uh, time with you there. But I don't know. Maybe I'll stay an extra day and we'll hang out. We'll do something. Oh, that'd like be that. great. You can come by the winery and uh, yeah, I might do you that. Know, it'd be great. It'd, yeah, I might do that. Fun. Let's let's do that and and yeah. and we can uh, we can uh, drink three bottles of wine and come up with a concept. <laughs> Well, I love that. All right. <laughs> That's a goal. That's a goal. <laughs> hey, beautiful, Tom. What a what a pleasure to have you on. Uh, there are those rare, not rare, but those certain uh, uh, interviews that you do that you just absolutely walk away with a great smile on. I got a S-eaten grin right now. I uh, can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll see you at uh-huh. Wine Song, okay? Awesome, Dave. Yeah, good, good to talk to you, too. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, can't wait to see you and meet, and meet your wife. 
Okay. I want to, to talk to her about labels. <laughs> I'm not letting you anywhere near my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. buddy. Good talking to you, man. All right. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters this week. Hey, if you're going to drink wine, make it great wine and, uh, and just sit and stare at your favorite painting. And be sure to go on Tom's website because you're going to just be like, wow. We'll see you at Wine Song. Bye-bye. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.